This sermon is brought to you by Christ Church South Philadelphia, a church that is committed to living out the gospel in their neighborhood and from there impacting the world. For more information about our church or to support our mission, you can go to www.ChristChurchSouthPhilly.org. With that being said, please turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. If you're new to the Bible, uh, I can make it easier for you to find Matthew. It is the first book in the New Testament. It's the New Testament of the books that are written after Jesus came. It's one of the four biographies divinely inspired by God that are written about the life of Jesus. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 17. So let's look for the big number 17. And, and as you turn there, um, when I was in college, uh, I drove a really beat-up car. Did anyone else drive a really beat-up car in college trying to save some money? Right? Absolutely. So I drove a beat-up old Chrysler Sebring convertible. This thing should not have been allowed on the road. Uh, the rooftop leaked. Anytime it rained, there would be standing water in my car. Uh, it regularly reeked of mold. Um, I'm convinced that I did permanent damage to my lungs by driving around in this thing for four years. Um, there was also this issue where the gas tank, and I'm not exactly still sure why, when you put, went to go put gas in it, like it would click off. Like you'd hold it for like two seconds and then click, click, click. So you'd have to stand there for like 20 minutes just to fill up your gas tank. Now I grew up in New Jersey where a gas attendant would f- fills up the tank for you. Uh, it's one of the only things I love about that state. Um, as well as some wonderful people. But, but, but what would happen is like people around my home, they got to know me in my car. And so there were many times I would drive into a gas station, and they would just wave me off, like, not you, not today, like, not having it, you know? Um, and so I regularly learned how to drive as far as I possibly can with the gas light on. I just had to spread it out as much as possible. It was a terrible experience to get gas. And so one time I'm driving with the gas light on, and I'm pulling off 295 uh, exit 34 to go to my home, and all of a sudden my foot, which is on the gas pedal, goes all the way to the ground, and there's no power. I'm completely off out of gas. So I had to get out of the car, push the car off the road, you know, call a tow truck. It was an absolute, an absolute mess. See, I had a car, my car had a purpose, but without gas to power its engine, it could not fulfill its purpose. And I tell you that story to say this, we've been in a series for the past few weeks on what Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew about the kingdom of God. It was his most frequent teaching, and we've seen how God's kingdom is not a geopolitical entity, nor is it confined to a specific place or a specific people. It it is the spiritual reality of anyone who places their faith in Jesus. It is the spiritual reality of God's people living in God's presence under God's rule. Jesus said we enter God's kingdom when we believe by faith in who he is and live our lives as followers of him. And last week we saw there's a tremendous purpose God has for those who live in his kingdom. He wants to use our lives for the greatest thing that there is, which is to point to the greatest being that there is, him. He wants to use us to spread the good news of his kingdom for the glory of his name. That The good news that in Jesus there is eternal life. In Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. There's adoption into God's family as his beloved child. There's righteousness and beauty and truth, both now and forever. This is the good news of the kingdom. 
And this is the good news that God has a great purpose for us to spread and share if we have placed our faith in Jesus. But what we're going to see today is that we can only walk in that kingdom purpose if we know how to access God's kingdom power. Without the power of God, we're like a cell phone with no battery. We're like a car with no gas. We're like Red Bull with no caffeine. It's not going to get much done. We need God's power to walk in God's purpose. That's what we see as we come to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. I've been telling this morning's sermon, kingdom power. Kingdom power. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, and every week we have people here who, for a variety of reasons, come to our church, uh, but they're not followers of Christ, I want you to know we are so grateful for you. We're so honored that you would spend your time with us here this morning. My prayer today is that you would not feel like an outlooker looking in on something that you're not part of, but actually you'd feel invited by God into something he's doing. You'd feel invited by God into a specific purpose and power that he has for you. Uh, and so I pray that you would, you would believe that and know that. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, I hope today that we learn a little bit more about what it means to walk in God's power so that we might learn a little bit more about what it means to walk out God's great purposes for us. Let's read together in God's word given to us through his servant Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is the authority of God in our lives. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And when they came to a crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples... And they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because... Of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray to God that He would bless the preaching of His word. God, we come to you, and we pray that these words that you have spoken to us through Matthew, you would now speak to our hearts. I pray for myself that you would sustain my voice, that you would give me clarity of mind and thought, that I might be a blessing to the people that you've gathered here as well as anyone who might be listening online. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that inspired these words, you would now show us what you're saying through these words for the good of our souls and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's the story. There's this man whose son is having dangerous seizures. And any parent who knows what it's like to see your child suffer, you know the unique pain that a suffering child brings their parent. And so they've gone to Jesus' disciples, desperate to have their son healed, but the disciples were not able to do it. Now, the context that we need to understand here is that back in chapter 10, Jesus had told his disciples to go out and to heal the sick. He gave them a purpose, and he gave them power to walk in that purpose. And they walked in that purpose, and they walked in that power for a little bit. They went around healing people. But here we see that they're not experiencing the power of God. Why? What's happened? Well, I believe there are three answers given to us in this text, three things that 
prevented them from experiencing God's kingdom power, that if, that if we do the opposite of these things, we will know how to experience more of God's power in our lives. So, so here's what they should have done that they didn't do. Point number one, if we want to experience God's power, we need to admit our need for God. If we want to experience God's power, we need to admit our need for God. In verse 17, Jesus calls his disciples faithless. And then in verse 20, he says that they could not heal because they had too little faith. When Jesus sent his disciples out to heal people in his name, he, he didn't give them magical powers that they could then use in their own strength. No, he gave them access to his power, which they could only get through dependence on him. And so he calls them out, not because they didn't have they had just too little faith. He really calls them out because they weren't having any faith. Right? He says all they needed in order to experience God was faith the side of a mustard seed. I was going to bring a mustard seed up here because someone in our church had one and show it to you, but you wouldn't be able to see it past the front line. It's less than a third the size of a grain of sand. It was an ancient Jewish expression to speak of the smallest possible thing they could think of because it was the smallest possible seed that they knew. And so Jesus calls them out for, for, for not having faith. He's not saying, that oh, you just need to believe harder, you just need to have more faith. He's saying you didn't have any faith. You thought you could start doing in your own strength what I said you can only do through mine. You see, these disciples, they had seen God do some great things through them. And over time, they had forgotten that it was God who was doing the great things through them. They thought over time that, well, they had the power in and of themselves. They lost sight of their need. But we can't experience the power of God if we don't recognize our need for God's power. We can't experience the power of God without recognizing our need for God's power. It's kind of like scuba diving. In order to scuba dive, you need something that's not naturally in you to come into you. You need the oxygen from above to fill your lungs with the ability to breathe. In order to go underwater, if you're trying to, to breathe underwater, you just trying harder to do that in your own strength isn't going to do you any good. I just got to do it stronger myself. I just got to breathe harder, breathe harder. No, if you're underwater just trying to breathe harder without any oxygen, all you're going to do is just taking more water into your lungs and expediting your drowning. You need something that's not in you to come into you in order to empower you to survive in that kind of environment. We need to recognize that there are purposes God has for us here on earth, but in order to walk in these purposes, we need a power that is not in us to come into us. We need to admit our need. And this is why pride is one of the most dangerous things that we can experience spiritually. I remember when my kids were two-year-old, they all said the same thing right around, right around the age of two. They all started saying, I do myself. I do myself. I do myself. It's like there's some kind of orientation class for two-year-olds where they like, all learn, like, that's what we need to start saying now, right? It's the terrible twos. They start exerting their own will, exerting their own independence. The trouble is, I don't think we often grow out of that phrase. How often we continue to go through life just trying to do ourselves. We don't want to admit that we have any needs. And you know what? Put enough effort in. Do yourself. There's actually a lot of things you can do yourself. There's a lot of ways you can be successful yourself. You can have a career by yourself. You can make a lot of money by yourself. You can do all kinds of things by yourself. But you can't walk in the supernatural purposes of God. You can't make an impact spiritually without the supernatural spiritual power of God. And yet, even for people who believe in God, how easy it is for us to come to church, to hear a message, and be like, okay, I heard that. Here's what I got to go do now. 
And we leave with a focus on ourselves, just trying to believe harder and do something stronger. And then we wonder why we fail. What we should be leaving a message with is not, here's how I'm going to go do it. We should be like, okay, Lord, you've shown me now. Here's how I need you to work in my life. It's not that we don't put any effort. This isn't a call to passivity as if God mechanically takes over our lives and moves us around like robots. That's not what's being talked about here. No, we need to put forth effort, but our spiritual efforts need to be empowered by an experience of God's spiritual strength. We need him. We need him. And we will only experience him to the extent that we are willing to admit our need for him. I want to be honest with you, this is hard for me to do. I'm naturally a self-sufficient person. I like to act like I got it. And two weeks ago, to be very transparent, I had a fairly epic meltdown. Um, and I way overreacted to some things with, 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 with some people that I care about. And then aftermath, I was, sort of sitting, I was like, man, where did that come from? Like, why did I react that way? As I did some soul examining with the helps of friends, I realized that, you know, there were some things from earlier in the year, some hurts that I experienced from other people who you know, don't go to this church any longer, but, but I experienced it from them, and I thought I was okay. I thought, like, hey, I'm good. I got this, right? It doesn't bother me. I'm strong enough for this. Uh, but to be honest with you, like water dripping on wood, that situation has just kept dripping on my heart. It was really softening me and eroding me from within. And I didn't realize it until some pressure got put upon me. And then when I, it came upon me, all of a sudden, something cracked. I hadn't wanted to admit I had need, and that only made my experience of weakness worse. Listen, friends, Jesus isn't looking for people who have it all together. Jesus isn't looking for superheroes. He is looking to be our hero. And the first step to experiencing his kingdom power is admitting that we need a power that we don't naturally possess. We need him. That's the first thing. We, we, we need him. We need to admit our need for him. Second, we need to, we need to ask for God's help. We, we need to admit our need for God. And second, we need to ask for God's help. It's one thing to admit we have a need for God, but it's another thing to humble ourselves and actually ask God to meet us in that need. Like, I might admit I need directions from somewhere, right? I, I might admit that I am lost at some point. But me admitting I need directions and admitting that I'm lost is far different than me actually stopping and asking to get directions. Just ask my wife. She drives her nuts. She's like, you say you don't know where you're going. I'm like, well, I'll figure it out. I have a need, but I'm not asking for help, you know? God wants us to admit our need, and then he actually wants us to ask him for help in that need. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, Jesus links having faith with talking to God in prayer. He says this, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So here in Matthew 17, when Jesus talks about having faith for God to do stuff, he isn't just saying, like, believe really hard. His point is that we can't say we have faith in God if we never pray to God. Like, we might have some kind of conscience, understanding of some kind of deity, but we aren't believing in the God of the Bible who says he cares about us, knows us, and can do something about what we're going through. Prayer is faith in action. Yet I think we often can treat prayer like the national anthem before a sports event. It's something we do and get out of the way so that we can get to what really is going on. But friends, let's be clear. Prayer is supposed to be the main event. 
in prayer, we are calling upon God to bring his power into our situation. And what could possibly be greater than that? Through prayers, we are going before God himself. And because Jesus has washed us clean from our sins, we are welcomed before his holy throne of omnipotent power with his heart of love open to us as his very children. And we are invited by God to boldly ask for his kingdom to come and touch earth, for his rule to come and make some things that are wrong right now to make them right. In prayer, we are asking the God of eternity to come and make a statement in time. We're asking God, hey, what you got up there? Can you bring down into my situation down here? And if we want to walk in the purposes that God has for us, friends, then we need to pray for the power that only God can supply to us. We pray and ask for God's help to walk in God's will. You see, God's will has both unconditional and conditional parts to it. God's will is what he determines to happen. But it can happen in one of two ways. It can happen conditionally or it can happen unconditionally. God's unconditional will are the things that he does regardless of what we do. It's the part of his will that's not conditioned upon us. God's not consulting us right now if he should keep the earth spinning or not. He's just doing that. It's not conditioned on us. We, we don't have to ask God for the sun to rise and set as the earth continues in its rotation around. No, God, God's just doing that by his providential, his unconditional will. That's not conditioned on us. But God also says there are some things that will only be accomplished as conditioned, as caused by us. James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. See, what God is saying here is that I've got stuff to give you, but I'm not going to give it because you haven't asked for it. Or you have asked for it, but you've asked with the wrong motives. You see, God has a will to give it, but it's part of his conditional will that only comes about through human cooperation. And so what Jesus is saying here, as he calls his disciples out for having no faith, is that his disciples didn't get the help they needed because they didn't admit their need for him or ask him. And so since healing is part of God's conditional will, it didn't come to pass. And it's really what Jesus is laying out for us here, friends, is that prayer does change things. Prayer does change things. Pray, and mountains can be moved. Now, when Jesus says, like, we pray and mountains are moved, let's be clear. He's not literally talking about mountains being moved. It's not like, hey, you know, could you move that mountain a little bit to the left? I want to get my ocean view going on here. No, that's not what he's saying, right? It's, again, that, that's another ancient Jewish expression for the impossible being done. What Jesus is saying here is that prayer can make what would otherwise seem impossible come to pass. And let's be clear that as we think about walking in God's purposes for us, that is an impossible task. Like God wants to use us to make him known to others. There's no way we can do that in our own strength. No way. Our fears are going to hold us back. We'd rather just not talk about God. We're going to get all tongue-tied and get that pick in our stomach and just get locked up and not able to speak. I know because it happens to me all the time. And, and, and we can't do it in our own strength because fear is going to hold us back. And we can't do it in our strength because the reality is even when we are sharing and maybe speaking okay, we can't create spiritual life in anyone. 
We can't even create interest in anyone. That's a work that God needs to do in their hearts. And so God's purpose for us to make him known, that's, that's impossible. Not like Mission Impossible where it's really, really, really hard, but, you know, Tom Cruise can do it. This is like impossible, impossible. It cannot be done. It is an immovable mountain that will stay an immovable mountain if we never ask for it to be moved. But when we pray and ask for God's help, friends, we have a mountain-moving God. Just, just, just think about testimonies that we've seen in this church this past year. I was looking back, just different people have shared on the stage about things in God's life, and just Mike Moreno, homeless, hopeless, on the streets, addicted to drugs, now walking as a new person born again in Jesus. Last Sunday night, Rose Wartman was sharing about how she's becoming a full-time missionary to reach kids here in South Philly through sports. And she shared about how part of her story is that her career in gymnastics had broken her down to the point she didn't know how to carry on. But through her brokenness, she came to know Jesus. And now she's using what almost beat her as now a platform to share with others about the good news of who Jesus is. Not just for her, but for them. I think about Mike Woods, who's now married and recently moved away. But we baptized him earlier in the year. And he was, he was walking by this church. And because there are people in this place praying for God to use us to reach people who don't know him, God brought him in here and God spoke to him and he became a Christian just because he was walking past a building. We don't believe God can move mountains? Friends, we have a mountain-moving God. So let's not be scared to ask him to come and to move in some mountains. My question for you is, what have you given up praying about? What is a mountain in your life that you think will just never be moved? You know, when we doubt God's power, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because then we stop asking God to move in that power. And so God doesn't. But if we want to experience God's kingdom power in our lives, we have to admit our need for it and we have to ask him for it. Now, maybe you are thinking, as we've been talking about this, well, I have been asking. But he isn't answering. I think one of the most painful things in life is the doubt that can begin to eat away at our faith because of our unanswered prayers. Maybe there are some painfully unanswered prayers in your life right now. That takes us to our final point. We need to trust God for the help he chooses to give. We need to admit our need for his help. We need to ask him for his help. And then we need to trust him for the help he chooses to give. Verse 21, Jesus says, nothing will be impossible. But he doesn't say that everything will be done. Just because prayer can change anything doesn't mean that everything we pray for will happen. Sometimes God's answer to our prayers is no. Or not yet. And I know that is so, so hard to think about. It's like, why? Especially when we are praying for things that are heavy on our hearts. But friends, when we have questions about why, let's stop and think about who God is. A God who always did what we think is best He'd actually be a pretty limited God, wouldn't he? Aren't we so limited in what we know and what we understand? This is a silly example, but I'm so grateful 
that God answered none of my prayers in high school for the various girls I wanted to fall in love with me? <laughs> like, I was praying for all the wrong people. I'm so glad God did not let me end up with any of them because he knew how to answer my prayer better than I even knew how to ask. And he had Angie for me, and she's spectacular. There's none like her. Friends, God doesn't answer all our prayers because he loves us too much for that. And even though we might not understand why he's not answering a particular prayer, the God who has all knowledge and all love and all power knows how to answer every prayer better than we even know how to ask it. And should we doubt that, which I can, which I'm very transparent, I can doubt that sometimes. We need to remember that the one who's speaking about this is Jesus. If you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus himself experienced an unanswered prayer. Have you ever thought about that or not? Well, the night before Jesus was to die on the cross, as he contemplated the horrific suffering that he was about to face, the Gospel of Luke tells us that his agony caused him to sweat drops of blood. The blood vessels in his face burst from the extreme stress he was under as he anticipated the horrors of the next day. And it was not just the physical sufferings of being beaten so that he could not stand. It was not just the horrors of having thorns jammed as a crown into his skull. It was not being nailed to a piece of wood and hung and left to die by suffocation and blood loss. Oh, that, that, that would have been an that would have been enough to contemplate and cause that stress, but it was, not, it was not him contemplating his excruciating physical agony that caused him to sweat drops of blood. It was his awareness that on the very next day, he would be experiencing God's judgment for our sin. Think about this. For anyone who would believe in Jesus, from the dawn of time to the end of time, all those wrongs by all those people, by me and by you, if you placed your faith in Christ, everyone before us and everyone after us, all that punishment that our sins deserve, that would take us an eternity to experience in hell, all of that was poured out on Jesus on the cross. John chapter 13, Jesus says that he died for his own. He knew who he was suffering for. And so he knew the sin that was going to be placed upon him. And as he contemplated suffering, the holy God's judgments for our wrongs, he cried out in agony this prayer in Mark chapter 13, verse 46, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Cup is a reference to what the prophet Jeremiah wrote about God's judgment for sin. As Jesus thought of the horror of having to drink that cup, he prayed a bold prayer and asked for another way. And the answer from heaven was no. The cup would not be removed. Because the only way to save us from what we deserve for our sins was for Jesus to experience it for us on 
And so, friends, when we struggle with our unanswered prayers, let's remember that our salvation came through an unanswered prayer. We might not ever understand on this side of eternity why God is not saying yes. We might feel hurt and grieved and saddened by the pain of a prayer going unanswered. But friends, in the midst of that grief, we can be held with this hope. That we can trust that God knows what he's doing. And his will is for our best. Because there's a bloody cross that forever proves his love. I love how the pastor, Charles Spurgeon, says it when he says it this way. When we can't trace God's hand, no idea what he's doing. We can't trace his hand. We can trust his heart. Friends, we might not always understand what God is doing. We can be at peace knowing that he is the one doing it. This shouldn't keep us from pouring out our hearts to God in prayer. No, ask, ask. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Ask, God, may your kingdom come in this. I want to see your kingdom power released in healing and saving and restoring. Friends, pray bold, mountain-moving prayers. Nothing's impossible for God. But as you pray those prayers, trust God for however he chooses to answer. You see, we need to bring our request to God with outstretched hands and with faith in his power and say, God, please meet me in this. But our outstretched hands also need to be lifted up in surrender. And we need to echo the words of Jesus, who after saying, remove this cup from me, said, not my will, but your will be done. Only when we don't limit God to what we think should happen are we ready to see what God can make happen. Friends, if God met our every expectation, then he'd never be exceeding them. God's power comes to us through admitting our need for him and boldly asking for him to move. And then humbly trusting him. Trusting our king. Trusting the one whose heart of love is shown through his nail-scarred hands. And so as we come to a close, friends, there are mountains God wants to move. There are people God wants you to reach with the good news of Jesus. We can only walk in God's kingdom purpose if we are relying on God's kingdom power. And so if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what God's inviting you into today. Come to him. Admit your need for him. Believe in who he has revealed himself to be through Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, friends, be encouraged. God has a great kingdom purpose for you that he doesn't ask you to go and do by yourself. But he gives you purpose and then he wants to give you power. So admit your need for him. Prayerfully ask him for his help. Don't, don't let prayer be like the national anthem. Just sing to get through. Pray and pour out your heart before God. And then trust him. Pray with outstretched hands that are also raised in surrender. Prayerfully ask him for his help and trust him for the help that he chooses to give. You see, friends, whether it's for the first time today or the thousandth time, everyone here, each one of us, those listening online right now or maybe even listening at a later date, we're all being given an opportunity by God today to come 
and put a little mustard seed faith into our mountain-moving God. And so let me pray for us that we would do just that.